0: So the first thing I'll say about trauma, it never goes away completely. I know we like to say we've healed trauma. I view it more as we grow in our awareness around it so it doesn't trigger us for as long as it used to. We can move through that trigger more steadily because of the tools we have in our toolbox.
1: welcome everyone to the frontline warriors club where we live it not in it join us on this mission as we raise consciousness you can find us on we now before the show let's take a moment to inhale exhale
2: and let the show begin in this episode we would like to introduce you to dr nicole garretano Nicole is a nurse practitioner and professor, turned intuitive developmental facilitator and consultant using human design, subconscious transformation techniques, and healing modalities to help others step into their full potential. She blends her love for science with her curiosity of the mystical to help others understand the mysteries of life. You can also find her on our podcast, The Woo Is True. We talk about how trauma presents itself in physical ways, how to identify your trauma. And how to heal that trauma thank you so much for your time nicole thank you for being here can you give us a little bit of a background about yourself
0: oh yes yes well thank you it's i we've connected in the past it's great to see both of you um, again and so i like to call myself a recovering healthcare professional and academic although i still use all of those qualities in the work that I do now. So now I really work as um, an intuitive development facilitator and energy coach, um, primarily for for women. But I was just saying earlier, a lot, I have occasionally men that come in, but really it's about this wanting to know our deeper purpose and really understanding our energy better and how that impacts how we show up in our day to day lives.
2: Uh, Why is that so important? Why is it so important to figure out your energy and how it impacts you in your day to day?
0: Yes. So we're all, you know, I like to think about it. If you think about all these individual light bulbs, you know what I mean? So each of us are like our own unique light bulb or energy center. And so you could, if I were a literal light bulb, right, you could try me in one lamp and I might light up perfectly. And you could try me in another lamp. And if I don't match up just right, I'm never going to light up. And so we're walking around each day with really a unique set of like energy wiring that we're hardwired. And I truly believe we're hardwired for this before we're even born. However, if we're not plugging in to the right people, the right circumstances, the right environments, we can never shine. We can never show up with our true energy and make the true impact that we're here to make in the world. So when you can understand how you're hardwired, a little bit better you can actually leverage that to your advantage and then you also start to grow in your understanding that the other people you're interacting with on a daily basis are also uniquely hardwired in their own way and so it does create like a level of understanding and compassion that we may not normally have when we're very ego driven and just focused on our own circuitry so to speak
2: and how did you start into this is there was like was there a time where you noticed that like hey this this energy's it's It's something that's maybe um, more impactful than we might have, have have thought. How did you begin all this? and when did you first experience this this like feeling of that energy exists and it gets passed out from people to people?
0: Yeah, so for me, when I go back now, I was really sensitive to it as a child. I didn't appreciate it for that. And then as I went through like different stages of my career, I would say it was most impactful when you know when you go to a meeting. <laughs> Or you're sitting in a group and they're having like a committee meeting or a staff meeting, I would be in those and I could like read everybody at the table. It was like I knew what they were thinking before they'd even say it. And for a while, I truly did, especially like in my early 20s to mid 20s in those environments, I would think, oh, well, everybody can do this. So I really don't understand why people can't figure this out. Like, why are we arguing about this? But then, as I got a little older and a little wiser, I was like, oh, wait. I think I interpret this um, different, you know what I mean, than other people. And so I could always read body language really well, but then it kind of got to the point where I would be in a meeting and I would, I could just kind of feel like they seem really sad or distracted about something else, or they seem like really happy, or you can tell like they're not giving anybody else a chance to talk because they just think their idea is the best. And so I feel like it's things we all pick up on. It was just a little more fine tuned for me. And so um, I also found it, you know, in my healthcare role, I was always in pediatrics, I would have dreams about my patients, things would happen to them that happened in the dreams. Um, So I just had like this energetic connection. And that made me really curious. So then I started like reading books, doing some classes on my own, um, off to the side, and then just really understanding this idea of our, our energetic systems within our within our bodies.
1: You mentioned that these systems are hardwired. So we are all this beautiful light orb of energy. How does trauma come into place? How does trauma like deplete this and diminish this light?
0: Yeah. So what I'll do, I'll just use um, a really simple example for the listeners. So I think most of us are familiar with the chakra energy centers in our body so there's lots of other energy centers that are discussed you know in the literature and out there when you go to to research it however if we think about those chakras right those seven centers that run through the core of our body we're pretty familiar with they need to spin in this direction if you go and do a little research on them so we want them to be spinning in a clockwise direction they emanate a certain color or shade of light right which we have then the whole rainbow of light running through the core of our being what happens with trauma is that those energy centers those chakras are actually supposed to take light in from the outside so whatever higher power you know you believe in that we have this connection to something greater than us we're absorbing light in that way from the cosmos if you want to call it that or from the environment around us and when we're absorbing it correctly and have that true connection everything is spinning right? And that clockwise motion. It's important to note too, we bring this energy in on all sides of our bodies because we're multidimensional. Many times we don't think about the backside of our body and how there is actually light flowing in and out. And that chakra does point out the back as well, not just the front. It's always orient oriented to the front of our body. But if people are listening, I want you to start thinking of yourself as more of that multidimensional being. When trauma comes in, it throws off. The way the light is spinning, it throws off, will literally block sometimes that greater source light from coming in because our body, our subconscious wants to go into that fight or flight and shut down right then in the moment. And so without even realizing it, many times when we've experienced a trauma, we've shut down different parts of our body. And when we think about the chakras we receive in specific ways through those specific chakras. So you could have one impacted, you could have multiple Um, energy centers impacted, but that's technically what happens. And so sometimes we'll feel like we've dealt with a trauma. Well, I went and I talked to somebody about it. You know, I talked about the triggering thing, but if we don't get to the root of where the trauma actually originated from, it's just like putting a bandaid, you know, on something that's really never going to heal. Eventually the bandaid peels back the wound's still there and something else triggers or, you know, infects the wound further
1: and if this is going unconscious for somebody for a long time i know that disease starts to become physical and starts stagnating because that's what energy does so can you touch about how this trauma correlates into physical disease
0: yeah so the, you're exactly correct the longer we go without addressing the trauma it will eventually manifest as physical disease in our body so i would say Almost all of my clients that come to me with some type of physical manifestation of disease. Once we do the work and we get to the root, we can go back to an experience that happened in childhood or a a familial pattern, you know, of this disease process. And that's the other really fascinating thing is that we can carry our lineage trauma within our DNA. And so things can manifest within us and within our physical body that's never been dealt with by those generations that came before us so while maybe there were multiple generations that dealt with anxiety we're we happen to be the one because it's never been dealt with that now we manifested as ulcers you know and in our stomach lining you know we have the GERD we and we're like I don't get it I may not suffer from tons of anxiety myself so where is this coming from and so part of the work I do with my clients is we really get to the root of that but it's it is, it's very much taking all these different pieces, right? You're putting together a storyline, so to speak. And it's actually your inherited storyline many times.
2: And you mentioned getting to to the root of it and helping people figure out the root cause of this. So is there specific mm-hmm. questions you ask? How does this actually, how do you get to that root? Do you yes. have like a specific question that you ask your, your clients or is it more of like where you sit down and meditate? What's the whole, how does the process look like to, to get in that? For example, for someone that wants to maybe yeah start digging into it and exploring it before they want to take on a session, how can they start to explore the root cause of their issues just by themselves?
0: Yes. So I tell all of my clients and anytime I'm in these types of environments speaking, you can do the five whys, which many of us are familiar with. So, you know, just as an example, if it was the anxiety, like, why am I feeling anxious? And you just want to go with the first thing that comes up for you. It's not this deep analysis and, you know, We're dealing with healthcare workers. We are really taught. We are conditioned to be very analytical, right? And to observe this and look at this. And we are doing part of that. But for this exercise of the five whys, you're truly just, what's my gut telling me? You know, what is the first answer that comes up for me? And you ask yourself why five times till you get to the fifth why. And typically then on your own, you can be at the root of where this is coming from, where this feeling's coming from, where maybe this disease in your body is coming from, uh, but you have to do it pretty rapid fire to in order to get there. And so what happens is you get there and then you're like, but now what do I do with it? Because I don't know maybe what to do with it on my own. What I do, my process, and you kind of asked that too, for me it is very much intuitive, which I love because nurses, we, we have a lot of intuition. All of us have intuition, but th- that particular career, nurses do rely on their intuition. They create that energetic bond with their patients. Right. And so you can walk into a room and be like, hmm, something's off. The monitor looks great. This looks all the technology's telling me my patients. OK, but you still have that gut feeling. Right. Just some some unease in your body about that person. So I use a lot of that with my clients. I will sit with them. I'll ask questions and be a really good listener. Right. Like we are in our healthcare roles. And then from there, I'm able to energetically happen myself. And I'll get a feeling a lot of times because of my healthcare background, I'll be brought to like one organ in their body, or I will see, you know, or maybe something stagnant, there's stagnant energy around that organ. Then I'll ask some more questions. A lot of what I do works very complimentary with traditional medicine, because many times people I'm working with, they've already seen all the traditional physicians, right? They've gone to the specialist, they've done this, and they still have conflicting answers on what's wrong with them. So sometimes, although they're completely frustrated, I actually love that because we've already checked all these boxes, right? From traditional medicine. So I know, oh, we can go a lot deeper, a lot more quickly because you're not gonna have this urge to go back and get this other test done (laughs) or have this other thing done because you've already done all of that and you're not getting the answers um, that you want. So for me, it is a very intuitive um, process and understanding those energy centers and being able to get the feeling from the client I'm working with around those energy centers.
1: And so you mentioned organs as well, which is fascinating. So do you believe that energy is stagnating in specific parts of your body, like organ systems where you're isolating that? And are you just isolating it based on the symptoms that the person is talking about? And then we dive deeper into that.
0: Yes. So what I tend to find different organs in the body will definitely correlate to specific patterns of disease, you know what I mean? And the fit like the physical feelings um, that they're having. A really easy example that I think most of us would understand is that idea of like the broken heart. They're having heart issues, or maybe they've had heart palpitations. You know, they may have a family history of heart attack or stroke or something to that effect. But in and of themselves, they've been pretty healthy. The testing's not showing much other than they're having these palpitations. They've tried hydration. You know what I mean? They've tried maybe adding, um, certain things into their diet, trying some different supplements, you know, but they're still really frustrated because heart palpitations can be really scary, right? That sense of losing your breath, you know, not being able to breathe properly and then the racing heartbeat. Um, so a lot of times when we go in, we can I can go in and it's a med- it's a bit of a meditative process that I do when I'm like going in to kind of analyze that energy or assess it for myself. Um, but usually with the questions and what I see and what's coming through, I will very specifically see like a pattern of heartbreak and maybe just not for the person I'm working with, but patterns of heartbreak in their family. So maybe family members passing, maybe loss of job, right? Loss of friendships, loss of... Um, Um, like maybe status that's come up before like this having a certain status in your community which would have been really important you know what I mean many many generations ago Um, and now it's coming forward and sometimes the people I'm working with are experiencing it as like loss of status maybe at a job right or maybe within a community that they take part in you know what I mean Um, they're feeling like oh I used to have this role in that and now I've been pushed down to this role but that's like a number one that heart connection where the heart can be broken and we'll see it manifest in these in these different ways so chest pain heart palpitations um things of that nature
2: and looking back to those people that had maybe childhood trauma or something that affected them in a childhood that lingers now or carries over does that manifest in a specific way or does that also vary uh between individuals
0: that really varies between individuals so What I'll say is that a lot of times our childhood trauma, we have repressed it in some way, or we were told growing up, like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. You're fine. You're over it. You know, maybe within the family, even, it was something that was pushed under the rug. Nobody talked about it anymore. So many times things that have happened in childhood, we may not even be able to appreciate it in our adult mind and our adult body. However, what happens is you see, you know, you may see something that triggers a repressed memory for you or certain things happen and you're in certain environments and you get that fight or flight response. Like I just need to get out of here. Right. Or I'm feeling like really agitated right now. And many times we won't know why that's happening. We'll, we'll try to place it right. Our human brain very much wants to know like, why am I not enjoying this? And we may come up with like a sliver of it. Sometimes people have what the full on (laughs) remembrance of something when they're in that situation, uh, which is, which is like re-traumatizing yourself all over again because you're remembering something that your subconscious has tried to repress for a while. Um, But we'll get those little tiny triggers is what I typically see happen with people until finally all those triggers happen. And then they're like, oh, wait, I know what this is about. This thing happened when I was a kid. I really thought I was over it, but I'm not over it, right? Or they'll have it around childhood and they're like, and my parents never believed me. You know, and now it's bringing up, you know, all this either disease or unease in my body, and I really need to work on it. And so the path to working on it can look quite different um, for each person. But that's the pattern that I'm typically seeing when they show up um, to work with me.
2: Yeah, a good example comes to mind. I'm sure you can relate, Matt, is so, Matt, I grew up in a Polish household. And for example, every time we would go to church on Sundays, parents would always say, you gotta dress nice, you gotta act properly because what are people gonna think of you? Every time you go to like a party as a little kid, you gotta dress nice and act nice because what are people gonna think of you? And it's almost like as a kid, you are programmed to to be validated externally by others. And that kind of trickled down into my teenage years and, and growing up and I realized that I was judging myself based on other people's opinions versus my own opinion. It's almost like I valued what other people think of me more than what I value myself. And I learned that Grew up as a kid because my parents always said, hey, you gotta dress like this, act like this, because what are people gonna think? And that was always lingering around for, for still a long time, and I couldn't realize why, and then when you look back, you get to the bottom of it, you're just like, well, this makes sense why, why I'm this way, because when I was growing up and I was a kid and I wasn't sure how to tackle life or what or how should I think about life or what is life, my parents told me that a part of life is the way people view you, and you have to do things a certain way to almost please others. And, and pleasing yourself was almost put on a, on a back burner because you had to show up and you're showing up for other people. And I'm sure you can relate to something like yeah. that as well, right? 100%. Yeah. And just just going back, and it could be something so small like that, like your parents are telling you, dress nice, act appropriately, and that transfers that deeply inside of you. We're now like in your 20s, you're in college, and you're just valuing yourself based on other people. And then you have to unlearn that. Like you mentioned yeah. a lot, uh, unprogramming. or, yeah, or, or, unle- or unlearn to relearn. Yeah, yeah, or unfucking yourself because... Our parents yeah. want the best of us, and, and they understand that they're adults, and it matters how people look at you. But as a child, it's not as important as a child as it is for them. But the fact that they put it on you at your early age, you learn to put value in that because your parents are right. So if they're telling me to do this and dress like this, and they know more than me because they're older, they're my superiors, they're wiser. Then this is how life is, right. but it's really not. What I'm
1: fascinated about is what happens after that is you start projecting onto people right mm-hmm. so that you're in the room and you keep trying to get a validation from me externally right because of this program how do you snap out of it nicole which is fascinating and be like hey i'm projecting onto my relationship my partner i'm projecting onto the pastor in this mm-hmm. case or i need to like present myself <laughs> how can you like yeah. differentiate the difference between it because that's that blends reality so much
0: it does it's all about awareness. So just what you're, each of you are pointing out, you're able to recall something that happened, but now you see it through a new lens. So we can go through and like analyze different situations in our lives. I will say on the parent one, most of our parents conditioned us the way they were conditioned. So we're just repeating a pattern, right, until we decide to be the pattern breaker because we've grown in our awareness enough and we've decided to look outside of that maybe fit, Familial box, right? That we grew up in, and we've expanded our horizons. So now we can flip the switch. We can see it um, in a new way. I always say it starts number one with the awareness. But I love what you brought up about, you know, our parents condition us this way. They're authority figures. They're this. They're that. We carry that right over into our healthcare careers, right? We let systems then condition us. We, and right now, we're letting a very broken system condition us, some of us are, some of us aren't, right? But that's one of the like big heartbreaks for me in healthcare right now is that we're letting broken systems continue to condition new nurses coming into those systems, established nurses that have never really known any different. And we do see an uprising, right? There's an uprising now that we haven't seen before. So we know some of the conditioning is starting to change but I feel like it's really important for listeners to understand, yes, this conditioning starts when we're children But then we're conditioned to be conditioned (laughs) over and over and over again so there's all these facets of our life where we can grow in that awareness and say wait when i when i grow in awareness i always say to myself wait is this of me or is this of someone else so like the parent example is great i need to look nice to go to this place is this because i really feel like i need to look nice it's going to make me feel better looking nice it's going to like show respect or i'm going to feel good about myself dressing up? Or is this because I have that little old voice in my ear <laughs> from when I was a kid? Like, you better dress nice. This is one of those events where you do that um, right there. I just grew in an awareness and I can pick out what's a conditioning versus what is something I truly desire for myself.
1: And you just mentioned healthcare workers. So how does that trauma, everything that we piled up into our emotional baggage, how does that translate into healthcare for the nurses?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I like to use this analogy. When we start a job or we start a new career, or even if we're established in it, right, we're all carrying around our backpacks, okay? So when we start out as a brand new nurse, we have a couple tools and tricks and things in that backpack, right, for our career. However, there's like a secret pocket on that backpack and it has all of our life experience. (laughs) You know, it's like that little zippered side where you don't always put things because sometimes it gets lost in there, but it's supposed to be like that extra little compartment. We all have that on our backpack. And so we come into any role, any situation in life, but particularly our careers, we have that whole life experience in that secret little pocket. So we go about our business and we like follow the algorithms and do the protocol and show up on time and go to all the meetings and do all the things we're supposed to be doing. However, when we're doing each of those things we're taught to do at work, we have all these influences in that little secret compartment that are informing, our experience of that, you know, so we could be sitting in a meeting that we're required to go to, you know, and for some people it's like, oh good, we have that meeting today. It's like built into my day, kind of becomes a mini break because I'm not with my patients right then. I'm just taking in this information. We get to sit, they probably brought some snacks, you know what I mean? All the things that they do to try to entice you to want to be at the meeting. However, maybe the topic they're talking about or the person running the meeting, you know what I mean? Maybe that person has a certain authority that really triggers you. And maybe it triggers you because it's like the way your mom always talked to you and you and your mom don't have a great relationship, (laughs) you know, now. So every time you have to go to this meeting, whether you realize it or not, you may not appreciate it on that level, or you may not have grown in your awareness, but you're so triggered by this meeting. It has nothing to do with your actual like role with taking care of your patients, but it's that this particular person really triggers a past trauma in you or your mom talked down to you, or you have this broken relationship, you know, with your mom and you can't wait to get out of that meeting. Same thing can happen when we're in a patient room, you know, there could be multiple family members in there and you're just overhearing what they're talking about. That could trigger something for you. That's happened in your own family. Some dialogue they're having, maybe some term or so some word that they're using that little secret compartment just gets triggered, right? Like (laughs) you can't help it. And many times we're so focused on the task at hand, especially in nursing. Like we have to stay on schedule. We have to do these things you know, on this certain time frame, that we're picking up on it in our periphery, like that peripheral energy swirling around us and it's slowly getting sucked in. And so it's like impacting you. Sometimes you don't notice it till you're driving home. Sometimes when you finally get that break, if you actually get to run to the bathroom, right? When those moments alone, you're like, oh, something's not sitting right with me. I feel so triggered. I feel really upset. So we can have that happening with the trauma that we bring in. We can also have brand new traumas occur on the job. I think we saw that we saw it before COVID, but we have lots of evidence now of the trauma that occurs um, on the job.
1: That's a really good uh, perspective on things. And also with how busy healthcare is, everything going on, let's just say somebody does trigger you or something comes up from the past and our body feels tense or rigid, or we lose patience Mm -hmm. with our patients. It's yeah. really hard to tell that, hey, this is a trauma response. Hey, this is a need that I need to give myself. It's always about, well, John John, uh, John Dover, there needs a pain med, so I need to go. And now you're wasting my time. So in, in a sense, and you get triggered by this patient, you kind of maybe use bad language towards him, not in the verbal sense, but maybe dismissing his needs or his emotional needs, whatever, because you're trying to go somewhere. So I, I do see how that plays a role. But in the grand scheme of things, healthcare is probably a bad way to start picking up on your trauma points of how to heal, because there's just so much going on in that, in that aspect.
0: There is no, there really is. And it does impact patient care, you know, for sure. Without, without the healthcare provider actually meaning for it to happen in that way. You know, I think that's a really good thing just to point out that I feel like nine out of 10 times, most people walking in the door for their shift are like, okay, to try and make it the best day possible even if other things have been stressful for the most part right it's fresh day new not always right but for the most part however once you get in there it doesn't really take too long for things to spiral out of control if you haven't been able to process your own trauma and i feel like the other thing that happens a lot is your idea of a trauma and my idea of a trauma are two different things right so even when we try to share this sometimes and what we feel like are safe environments We think healthcare sometimes could be the safe environment for us to share how we're feeling, but we'll just get dismissed by our colleagues because they didn't have our same lived experience. And so like, even in the trauma world, we have like what we call little T traumas and big T traumas. Big T traumas tend to be the things that we all think of as really big traumas, but there's lots of little T traumas that happen to each of us. And maybe your experience of it was different than my experience. So maybe it never became a little trauma for me but it did for you and me dismissing you creates then another trauma for you another little t trauma because nobody wants to hear you or witness you in that moment and you can see that where that can happen with our patients too where we can't we have a hard time maybe witnessing what they view as traumatic because we've seen so much in healthcare that we're like this person over here thinks they have this going on and we'll dismiss them right so it can work both ways
2: yeah and that being said, is there ways that maybe, let's just say, Matt, I see Matt struggling with something. Maybe he's got a a big T, and if to me, that big T is a little T. How can I, I help him maybe open up a little bit, or how can I help him push through through that trauma, without having him maybe seek like a therapist or just 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 as a friend, I want to genuinely help him. How how can I get him started in there, or how can I help him through that process?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, really easy things to do are number one, just say. I'm witnessing you in that I don't have that same experience, but you know what I'm witnessing. And if you just need to vent right now, just vent to me. That's always a good place to start. Number one, you're acknowledging what the person's going through, what they're trying to share with you. Number two, you're opening up to venting. Sometimes people just want to vent. They don't necessarily want the coaching, right? Or the advice. And especially as healthcare providers, we're pretty naturally inclined to, I'm going to help you. I'm going to fix this for you. I'm going to solve this problem. So right there in and of itself, the witnessing, do you want a vent or do you want advice? You know, giving them a choice. Many times we don't give anybody choices. We're just like, oh, they need this. I'm going to go provide it. But he still has free will in that situation. So as a good friend, you're giving them an option. And then from there, there's different techniques you can do. So I love breathing techniques just for people. To go to to help calm the nervous system and try to re-regulate right there in the moment it depends how triggered he is but a good box breath you know what i mean just single nostril breathing where you take turns out one side of the nose out of the other those can be really simple things that you can do you can advise someone to do they can go do on their own we can do this at work right we can we can go stand in a corner and breathe on our own and we don't need a lot of privacy to do that it's the awareness and getting intentional with the breath so we want something that slowly brings the central nervous system back down and helps regulate it because you can't just go from you know zero to ten or ten to zero that doesn't that doesn't work well um, with our central nervous system so those would be some really basic tips that you could do. The other thing is sometimes we're in our head about what's going on. Our body's feeling all these things, but we're really in our head. How do we drop out of our head and back into our body? Like, how do we calm the racing thoughts? The breath helps with that. But while you're breathing, like focusing on a part of your body and letting your mind kind of decompress at the same time is super important.
2: Yeah, that's a good point because when people are triggered, they're really emotionally you can say dialed in, a little too dialed in. And the best way to get them out of the head and get rid of those emotions is just have them not focus on that for a minute. And like you said, the best thing to do is have them breathe because if you're not, if you're not constantly thinking about that trigger and you're focusing on your breath, guess what? Your emotions are slowly starting to get regulated because you're not not being triggered, triggered, triggered. You're more breathing and you're yeah. more relaxed and your mind isn't fully, fully on that. And yeah. so let's just say someone's now very self-aware. They know that... This trauma is stemming from childhood, but how can they now change the course of actions moving forward? Is it the way they they think about that feeling that they had in a, in a child? Do they change uh, the action that they do? Do they start going to a gym more? If you identify a problem, how do you now now change that to not be a problem?
0: Yeah. So the first thing I'll say about trauma, it never goes away completely. I know we like to say we've healed trauma. I view it more as We grow in our awareness around it so it doesn't trigger us for as long as it used to. We can move through that trigger more steadily because of the tools we have in our toolbox, okay? It's not to say that that old big T trauma won't come back in 10 or 20 years because something else happens, you know, and it, like, rears its its ugly head at you again. Um, But hopefully in that amount of time, you're like, oh, no, wait, I know I go to this, this, and this to work on it. So... It's not that we ever totally get rid of it. I think that's just important for listeners to know, um, because that's just the that's the reality of the world that we live in. We don't know sometimes when these things will come come circling back. We can't predict every experience, right? We're going to have um, in the future. So what I would say is that depending on the trauma, I'm I'm going to give you an example that I learned from one of my teachers that I think is really applicable to a lot of situations. It's really about thinking about your boundaries, right? In a new way. So one of my teachers likes to talk about how we each have a plot of land. So like where I am right now, this is my plot of land. I live on this land. My house is on this land. The things I love are on this land, you know, and it's mine and it's safe. It's safe. A number one, it's safe. So you invited me to be here today. I have invited you onto my plot of land because I want to have this discussion with you, right? However, if I didn't have a great relationship with you, I could have chosen differently, right? I'd be like, "Mm, I don't think that's going to be, it's not going to be a line for me. I'm not inviting them onto my plot of land today. That's essentially what we're doing all day long. It can be with people, right? It can be with environments. As we're walking around with our plot of land, do we want to go over here, right? And let our house sit here for a little while today. Do we want to go over here? Maybe we just want to stay right where we're comfortable, right where we know it's safe. That's a really good way to start now. I know what you're going to ask next, but if you're at the hospital, if you're at work, you can't always control, we can't always control who comes on to our plot of land. So sometimes when we have to invite people in, (laughs) you know, the other thing is they all have their own plot of land. So think about a patient. They probably didn't really ever want us (laughs) on their plot of land, but yet we're in there every hour, every half hour, whatever it is, you know, for that particular patient, we're constantly invading their plot of land. So again, it comes back to choice for our patient. We can give them a choice. Whenever you can give your patient a choice, give them a choice because that lets them set the boundary for themselves in circumstances where they may not be able to. You can also get strategic about your day. Wherever you have a choice in how you schedule something at work, make the choice that feels best for you, that protects your boundaries, right? Protects your plot of land. These can be simple things. You know, if you know. You need to listen to certain music while you're driving into work. Listen to that certain music. Anywhere you get a choice, choose what's best for you. That way where you don't get as many choices, it's a little bit easier. You can regulate yourself a little bit better because you listen to the music that's empowering, right, on your way to work. Or you popped your, you know, AirPod in and went and listened to it on the mini break that you got. There's, there's different ways we can be strategic to, like, maintain our plot of land. Mm-hmm.
1: And really good, yeah, really and just, good example, yeah. J- just add on to that is we were talking about triggers and how they get they manifest in their physical reality, literally from the past, right? So what is time in that case? And let's just say you're experiencing like that. So I feel like with healing, there's no endedness. just like you mentioned, it could come back, there's always more to heal, or there's always more to work on. So just notice you were talking about the breath, just notice when your breath becomes rigid or tense, or you start breathing shallow and just okay, because our mind is, our mind is, is releasing so many thoughts. It's so hard to pick up on, like, hey, was that a positive thought or did I just disempower myself? Mm. But if you look into your body, into your breath, you could be like, wow, I'm rigid, I'm tense. Let, let's take a moment here to analyze the situation. Am I triggered by this patient or am I triggered by something that I didn't give myself in that interaction, whatever it is? And then you can start troubleshooting that awareness to see where you're like leaking your energy in a sense. Mm.
0: Yes.
1: And Nicole, how does the quantum field and physics and epigenetics come into the healing process of all this?
0: Yes. So this is the part that's really fascinating that I think most people in the healthcare world, you know, would be most intrigued by. But literally, I mean, there's scientific evidence to back this up, but we are literally made out of like the dust and gases of the cosmos. There have been researchers, scientists that have studied that and then studied our makeup. So our bodies, our human bodies really function at that atom level, right? Like we have cells, our bodies made up of atoms. The stars are made up of like nebula and other, but we get back to that like center root, right? That we're really made of. However, we really are made out of the cosmos, which I know sounds really woo. <laughs> on a bit on a big level, and it's also been proven to be true um, at this point. So when we think about it, we have our physical body, this is how I like to describe it. We also have like this subtle energetic body that goes so many feet, usually about four to five feet out around your body. okay? They've been able to pick up, we've seen this in scans you know what I mean? They picked up on it in science too. So I can send you even links if you all want to some of these articles for the, for the listeners. Um, But we can pick up on this light. It's basically light that emanates from our bodies. Okay. So the DNA strands also are made up of these different types of energy. Okay. And they've looked at the different DNA strands under, you know, the microscopes and they've been able to go in and actually pick up epigenetically like where, when we think of the how things are um, expressed phenotypically, you know, versus genotypically, they've been able to go in and kind of pinpoint along the strand, like, where different types of traumas would have come from either the mother line or the father line, okay? Yeah, so it's, it's really very fascinating. Um, it gets a lot more complicated, so I'm trying to keep it At a level where everyone uh, will understand it. That's why I think the articles are important because some people like to do deep (laughs) dives into this information, you know, and get really, really technical. What I love is that with these studies, none of us are here by mistake, right? Like we're all very intentionally here. We're all made of the same material in one way or another. So we're all very, very connected to each other. Yes, we're definitely connected to our family line, but we're also very connected to each other. So when we can really get to that understanding that we're all truly connected in some way, I mean, all of our hearts resonate at the same frequency. That's been studied and mapped in science too. And it's the same frequency as the earth, as the planet that we live on. I mean, that's not by mistake, right? That life resonates, our heartbeat resonates at the same the same energetic field, right. As, as everyone else around us. However, when we can really comprehend that and integrate it into our way of being on a daily basis, how does that start to change the way we treat ourselves and then the way we treat each other? How do we really grow in compassion, right. And understanding and really wanting to witness each other. It really starts to flip that dynamic a little bit. And so that's where like the science of how we're created, the science, the in- inside of our being, the essence that exudes on the outside of our being is also just overlapping and interlapping with everyone else. That's made just like us <laughs> on a daily basis. So what does it take, you know, for us to really start to comprehend ourselves that way and the people around us that way.
2: Because It's like a crazy concept because, you have to grow as like as like a collective, but the only way you could grow as a collective is if you is if each part of that collective grows on its own as well, because then it translates to the
1: whole thing. It's a, it's a, it's like a crazy but beautiful concept at the yeah. same time. One thing that stood out to me is the whole notion of racism. It does mm-hmm. exi- it does exist in our system mm-hmm. because we as a collective have instilled that we have created those barriers those lines from a logical standpoint Mm -hmm. so the only way to eliminate them is kind of go back to understanding these concepts and shift as a collective to be like hey this really doesn't exist only if we you know implement it from Mm -hmm. an ego from an ego standpoint if that makes sense so yeah
2: but the thing is like you can't forget about it because i understand because it's interesting because people want to eliminate a lot of stuff from history but then i feel like if we eliminate stuff from history and we don't talk about it then the future has a chance of repeating those same issues because 100%. it's more of like you have to acknowledge that it happened. It's like trauma. But that's like trauma yes. on like, you know how you mentioned individual trauma from our childhood? This is like the grand scale human trauma that our ancestors <laughs> did to the, the world. Like racism yeah. was yeah. never a good thing. But guess what? Our ancestors messed up. And that's, that's like the trauma of the, of the world. And that we got to understand that it happened. But now we got to change the way we look at it. We can't forget that it, that doesn't exist. Because it's always going to be like you mentioned. Like trauma is always going to be there. Yes. Your trauma is always going to be there. It's your responsibility to acknowledge that trauma is there. And it's your responsibility to to
1: not react to it in a negative way. Right. That's the difference between mm-hmm. it's okay to understand. You can have a memory of things, right? Yeah. You cannot eliminate memory. Mm-hmm. But if the memory is creating a trigger, which in our scenario here, would which, which would be racism, mm-hmm. then that's the issue because the right. trigger is causing an older, old memory that could be your experience or the collective consciousness right. or ancestral trauma like we talked about mm-hmm. that keeps on yeah. looping this this what do you want to call it, negativity yeah. or this old way of thinking
2: it's crazy how that works yes. like you know like the world has its traumas and you have your own trauma and the thing is not like you said not to forget about trauma but but figure out a, a good and positive way to act afterwards to, to react to it because if your reaction is always bad or it's always the same then you're never going to get rid of that trauma or that racism or that political issue right yeah yeah
0: yeah well and just to tie back in as you were saying that what we're talking about here is huge. Like it's so big because when you think about our DNA, like when you think about slavery, when you think about racism, those events actually like mutated at the DNA level, that trauma experience mutated the DNA, whichever side you were on and your thought process, you know what I mean? And, and the beliefs that you were going to have. Um, and so what we're actually saying is that we want to transform our DNA, right? Moving forward. So it doesn't happen overnight, right? It happens piece by piece, conversation by conversation. So it's just an interesting way to add the science back into it Mm. as well.
1: Yeah. 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 And kind of going back to how you said that we're all just light. We have the full rainbow and there's no such thing as darkness or evil. It's just the absence of light. So in these cases, we're still beautiful, beautiful humans, lighting up or just diminishing our light in specific aspects we just need to open that up to ourselves to enjoy life for what it really is Mm -hmm.
0: yes yes and that's why i always say like it all starts within us the greatest impact we can have on the rest of the world is by working on ourselves first, because we all have our shadow sides, right? That, that we try to reconcile with, or we try to heal or deal with. Um, But every time we do that and we grow in our awareness and our consciousness, then we're actually role modeling that for someone else around us, or it gives us a new story to share. And each of those things have a ripple effect out into our world. And we need so many ripples right now in the right direction, (laughs) you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it goes back to the the light bulb example that that you said. You know, you you can have one light bulb. That's like if if I'm shining bright, if I got my stuff figured out, it's good. But guess what? If Matt has his stuff figured out too, that's two light bulbs. So the room's already going to be brighter just based off those two light bulbs. Then you bring a third light bulb, fourth light bulb, and it's crazy how like back to where you have to grow as a human to have the human collective all grow grow together, and it's just where that strength comes from.
0: Yes. i agree that's beautiful
2: yeah then nicole anything you're working on right now anything new that you're pursuing
0: Yes, yeah, so um, I am actually digging more deeply into the ancestral trauma. So I have a new program starting in January called um, Your Quantum Lineage Revealed, where we will look at both the practical and the mystical aspects of our lineage. So we'll we'll be looking at the genealogy in a very practical sense, you know, like through Ancestry.com. But then we'll also be dealing with the shadow sides of ourselves. And um, I'll be guiding everyone into tapping into... Their ancestors and where the shadow comes from, so they can start to heal it and transform it um, over the eight weeks that we'll be working together.
2: Oh, super cool! I did my ancestry.com like a few years ago, and majority mm-hmm. of, of of my ancestry is just located in Eastern Europe. Like, there's like <laughs> all of it's there, and there's one in like Argentina or Brazil, and then one in like Britain. But everything else was like in, in Eastern Europe. So I'm curious, yeah. being Eastern European, how does how do those ancestors potentially affect me?
0: And so any experience they had that was captured in their DNA. So typically those, those can be good experiences too. I know sometimes we get caught up in the trauma and we don't talk about, um, actually like a really exciting experience, like the love of adventure, you know what I mean? Or like going and traveling to a new place, uh, maybe starting a business, like something that was really positive that can be captured in the DNA and you could bring that into um, this lifetime. You know what I mean? As well as the trauma and things that maybe were never overcome, your DNA can be programmed that way. It's important to point out what they've what's been shown in the scientific realm is that up to 50 generations behind us can come in on our DNA. That's a lot. That's a lot of generations when we start thinking about that. Um, So they could be, you could have been influenced in really positive ways. And then you could also like bring in some of their past um, experiences. What I tend to find when I work with clients is we'll work with like either the mother line or the father line. We'll work with them separately. We can work with both, but we'll tend to be drawn to like one or the other. Um, And so it's really interesting because you can know in the practical sense, like these were all the generations behind me. I like to go, you can go up to like seven back and really, have a good impact. You don't have to go through all 50 <laughs> by any means. Um, but what I'll find is that like, let's say they just have like this nagging sense of I'm not good enough. Like I'm not valued or I, you know what I mean? Like nothing I do is ever right. Somebody will, well, that, most of the people I work with, they have like something like that. And it usually has to deal with not feeling loved or, or a great sadness if we just had to boil it down to like one or two emotions. And so what we'll do is we'll like work energetically with that line and go back and say, okay, so where does this originate? This sense of not being worthy or not being loved, like where does it originate? And then I'll take them through guided processes so we can see like what happened, what, what's the story? What do you need to know so that you can produce a level of healing here now? And what's cool is when you shift the energy that way, I mean, it heals. Like if we went back to the seventh generation, we could bring that forward through all the generations to you now, but then the energy of it carries on seven generations beyond you. So when we do this work, it has great impact beyond just our time and our, you know, here on the planet.
1: Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. I recommend the book. It's called, Mm -hmm. It Didn't Start Within. It's something I started reading and it talks about that family Uh consciousness and how it just gets trickled down to our current events and how we can heal that and the lineage.
0: Yes. I, I really feel like that's where we're going now in the world. It really is going to be people like us, you know, and other people listening that feel this way, like doing that deeper work and really looking at these family lines um, to do, to do the deeper healing that needs to happen. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. We, we as a collective are shifting away from just the, the physical part of healing like we do in western society and i think there's like a nice mix between eastern and western medicine on top of everything else to really facilitate real healing
0: yes i i agree i just feel like we're on the cusp of this new way
1: mm. and nicole one if you were to disappear from this planet if you were to share one more last piece of advice with anybody what would it be and why
0: mm, i would say really choose who you're being every day because our being informs our doing and we live in a world where it's all about what are you doing what are you checking off your list but when you get really aligned to who you want to be and you allow your doing to flow from your being you'll never feel like you wasted a moment Mm. here on the planet
2: Mm. wow wise words right there it's really good come from being Mm. Mm -hmm. and nicole last thing where can people find you if they want more information
0: yeah, so you can find me. Um, you can find me on my website nicolegaratano uh, I have a podcast called The Woo Is True, so you can find me there, um, where I talk about all these types of topics and some other things. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.
1: Awesome, Nicole. Thank you so much for your time. You are a wealth of knowledge. Appreciate mm-hmm. you getting onto the show and sharing your perspectives about you know healing, epigenetics, getting past trauma, and You are doing some amazing work. So I hope everything goes well with the workshop and we'll be in touch.
0: All right. Thank you so much. I always love hanging out with both of you.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole.